Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. All right. Hey, good morning. Somebody say amen. Yeah. So good to see you all. Woo. Man, it's, we've had some nice weather. Come on, somebody. That's worth smiling for. That's worth getting up and getting dressed. Uh, what's even worth more is, is getting up and hearing from the living God himself. Can I get a good amen right there? So glad you're here. Those of you that are watching online, wish you could be here too, but uh, we're glad that you're with us today too. I know the Lord has a good word for each and every one of us. We've been in this series, There Is More, a series we do every, every year. Pastor Jim mentioned just we've been in this, in this series of, of saying what does the more look like in our lives as we've looked at. Uh, specifically the lives of Mary and Martha and their interaction with Jesus. And we're asking ourselves, here in 2023, for me at 41 years old, 41 years young, come on somebody, I, I, I'm, I'm asking, Lord, what's more? What, what's next? What do you have for me? And, and so often in our lives, we are, we're faced with different decisions. We're faced with how do we move forward in what God has for us or in what I believe my calling and living out God's will for my life looks that looks like, and we're going to peer into that a little bit today. But can I invite you to invite somebody else to church? Come on. How many know that, that God is doing something in our, in our nation? Come on. And he's doing something in the hearts of the next generation, and, and, and we don't want to miss what God's doing. You know, it's, it's one thing to say, we see revival happening in our nation and we celebrate it only for us not to experience revival in our own lives, in our own neighborhood. God wants to do something in Estero, Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Southwest Florida. God wants to do something. And you want to know? He's gonna, you know who's going to do it through? You. God wants to do something in you and through you. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Why don't you stand uh, with me? I'm going to read. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 10. Go ahead and turn there. That's been kind of our keynote verse. I know last week we talked about the death of Lazarus and, and that interaction with Mary and Martha with Jesus, but now we're going to reach back to our original text, understanding that there is more that God calls us to. Luke 10, 38 through 42. I'll read it. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? And I would just be remiss if I didn't stop down and say, that sounds like some of us sometimes. We see the wicked prospering in their ways, and we see our neighbors getting ahead in life. We say, Lord, you see all that I'm doing, going to small group and praying every day and doing my devotional, and my friend just went for a 10-day vacation. <laughs> you see all that I'm doing and, and praying earnestly and, and serving and serve my city. You see all that I'm doing. You see all the activity of my life and still these other people seem like they're, they're just sitting around doing nothing, but they're being blessed and I'm not. Jesus said to Martha, he says to you and I, my dear Martha, my dear Phil, you are worried and upset over all these details. 
you are worried and upset about being famous. You are worried and upset about being successful. You are worried and, and upset about having a strong 401k. Come on. You are worried and upset about a banking crisis. You are worried and upset about inflation. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, Jesus says. And he says, Mary has discovered it. You and I can discover it, and it won't be taken for us once we do. Let's bow our heads and pray one more time. Father, we choose to focus on the one thing, God, that would set us apart, that would make the difference in our lives to, leave, to, to, to lead and walk out a life that is full of abundance. God, we receive all that you have for us. We receive the more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. High five somebody as you're seated. A question that remains for us as we're in this series is, how will I approach God? For millennia, Christians, non-Christians, atheists, agnostics will debate, we debate in the church about how is the appropriate way to approach God. What is the appropriate way we approach God? Who is God is another place that we debate. How do we get to God? How do we experience fulfillment? How do we experience purpose in life? Many of us ask ourselves these questions on a daily basis. We wake up and we say, thank God it's morning, hallelujah, it's a new day. And some of us wake up and we say, oh God, it's morning. <laughs> and each day we have a choice to put a filter on. And waiting for us when we wake up every day is a filter that God desires to give us, and there's a filter the world desires to give us. There's a, a filter that our circumstances would naturally try to dictate for us how we are to view God and how we're to approach Him. And then there's the Spirit of God that gives us, through the, the power of Scripture, or through the, 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 the strength of, of God's written Word, of how we are to view God, how we are to approach God, and there, thereby how we are to live our lives. And we see two different approaches here in this story with Mary and Martha. One is waiting patiently on the Lord. You know what's interesting is, you know, we've been talking about this with Mary, and, and we have this, this, this picture in our mind and we use the word wait, and that's just kind of like we're sitting around twiddling our thumbs, not doing anything. But, but really, it's a picture of Mary serving God, serving him by sitting at his feet and listening to his teaching, where, where Martha is feverishly tending to all these different things and missing the deity of Jesus right in front of her and being able to learn from Jesus. And, and like many of you, I don't know about you, but for myself during this series, I've been asking, I say, Lord, Lord, am I Mary or Martha? Like, who, Lord, which one am I? And maybe some of you, come on, how many, how many have been saying, like, like where do I fall? And here's the reality, y'all, like, we're both, come on. <laughs> like, we, we are both. We're both Mary and Martha. Some days, I'm like, man, I got to get after it. Man, I got all this stuff to do. Woo. Man, I got to take the kids around. I got to take the kids to uh, music practice. We got dance going on, too. We got, we got I don't have uh, kids that play baseball, but some of you are like, I, I got to take the kids to baseball. We got to do all these things. I got to go to small group. I got I to run around and do all these things. And... 
And, and, and sometimes, we're like, sometimes we're like Mary, and we're like, today, I can't wait to do nothing. And I'm just going to relax. And some days we have, and how many knows those days are fewer and further between? Come on. Like, like those days are, are a little bit less attainable, especially in the option-laden world that we are in, a world that provides a lot of opportunity. Come on, the land of opportunity, we have that in America, is great, but it's also the land of distraction. The gift and the curse, the two-sided coin of opportunity, one side is blessing, the other side is curses. And depending on the choice that we make daily will dictate how we approach God. There is more. I want to tell you, snowbirds, hey now. <laughs> I could call y'all snowbirds, right? I, could tell, I, I want to tell you college students, 13-year-old kids that are in here that think you got it figured out, hey now. <laughs> Ooh, Lord. I want you to know that there is more for you. Y'all know the definition of insanity, right? Come on doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Today, March 26th, you have a choice to move away from insanity and to approach life and to approach God a little bit differently than you did yesterday. You know, so much, this is just an aside, not to go off on a tangent, but we, we um, how do I say this? We live in a world that is hyper-competitive. You talk about distraction, you know, you just, all you got to do is pull out your phone and you can see, man, I do not line up to that person. This person's getting after it. This person has success. This person looks this way. The only person you need to be better than is you yesterday. You are not in competition. You see, people say, oh, hey, you need to get on my level. I can't get on your level. I can only get on my own level. All I can be is who God created me to be, and you only you can be is who God created you to be. And see, in our lives, we do our best as believers, we do our best to slow down, to sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus, Yeshua, our Messiah, to sit and learn from him and let him teach us. But we're often distracted, like I said. Life seems to pull us away. And God, unfortunately, he gets the leftovers. Come on, how many know that there's something different about a fresh meal and then, and then the leftovers? You know, sadly, in our lives, um, there's a principle, and we see in the Old Testament from the New Testament, it's the, the, the principle of firsts. Even when it comes to our tithe and bringing the Lord's tithes and bringing our offerings, it's not just bringing 10%, it's bringing the first part of it. So we see Mary, we see her, Jesus is in the house, they go to the house, and, and, and Mary is giving her attention, her best energy is going to God. And again, like I kind of jokingly alluded to earlier, we look at all that's going on in the world. Pastor Josh has talked about the 24-hour news cycle and how it can just keep us in this place of perpetual worry, perpetual anxiety, 
God in his goodness invites us to a place in this There Is More series in life looking different for us than it did yesterday and the years before, God invites us to a place to say, hey, sit at my feet and I will instruct you. Like we talk about, oh, there's nothing for us to do. There's something for you to do, but you can't do it unless you sit at his feet first. And if we reach back to the garden, we can see a parallel, the story of Mary and Martha, and we can see a parallel in the story of the trees of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. We see this with Adam and Eve, the story in the garden in Genesis chapter 2. I'll draw your attention there. I'll read 8 and 9, and then I'll read 15 through 17. See, in old church, we used to say, turn your Bibles to Genesis 2. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right, never mind. I don't know about that. Genesis 2. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You go down to verse 15 through 17, it says, Then the Lord God placed the man. I love how God always prepares a place for us before he puts us somewhere. The Lord God placed the man in the garden that he made to tend to it and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat from the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you are sure to die. Man, I, you know, part of my process is, you know, when I have to minister or, or just in general, like uh, one of the things even I, I think I learned about myself when I, I had a sabbatical a couple years ago, there, there were two places of resetting my soul that I, I, was, I did on a consistent basis. One of them was when I needed to reset my soul, I got off of social media. Come on, somebody. And the second thing I would do is I would get out in creation. I would just allow God to speak to me in creation. And even preparation for this weekend, I had some time uh, to, to go to uh, Botanical Gardens in Naples. Hey, now. And be out in creation. And I, and I got the opportunity to see all of these, like, like it talks about, God created a garden with all these trees in it, and I got to see all, these, all this vegetation and all these different plants from around the world, and I was geeking out on orchids, y'all. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, I, I, we went into an orchid garden, I was like, wow, like, look at that. That's different. Like, look at that. That's amazing. Wow, oh my God. God, you made that too? Well, that's amazing. All these things. Like, you know you're getting old when you start, like, geeking out on birds and, and, and flowers. Come on. <laughs> Oh, all the bird lovers are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) All of this, all of God's creation, all of these things, God's highlighting, he says, "I've, I've made all of these things for you, all of these trees to enjoy, all the fruit in the garden, enjoy all of it, it's for you, I've prepared it for you, but I've set boundaries in place too, so you don't be, so you're not harmed. See, some of us, we look at the the regulations, we look at the commandments of God, we look at the instruction of God, and we view them as limitations. When the reality is, is that God has set up and established boundaries through the scriptures for our lives, for our benefit, and for his glory. Not because he's trying to be a killjoy, 
He's trying to protect us. He's trying to preserve our lives. So we see this somehow with all these beautiful orchids in the garden, with all this luscious fruit, the enemy got Adam and Eve to focus on the one thing that the Lord said not to touch. Genesis 3, 6 through 7 it says, again, Satan had, had basically came along and said, uh, so, uh, so did God say you can't eat from any of the tree or you'll die? No, 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 that's not what he said. He said we can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil uh, or, he's, uh, or, or we'll die. And he said, the devil said, well, no, 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 surely you won't die. He just knows that your eyes will be opened. Eve said, huh, okay. So check this. Verse 6, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise. Interesting. I think it's in First John. It says, talks about the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. She saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and it was a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her hubby hubs, who was with her, and he ate it too. Check this. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Were they naked before? Yep. But they didn't know. There was knowledge that they had now that God was trying to protect them from. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You know, we, we live in, in, in y- y'all have heard this statement before, knowledge is power. Y'all heard that, right? Right? Like we, we say that, and there, and there is some truth to that. Knowledge is power. And, and, and at times we, we hear that statement, and I remember hearing that, and it was on like little, little posters in, in, in elementary school, and, and yes, we have to educate ourselves. We need knowledge. Knowledge rightly applied is probably a better statement. Knowledge rightly applied is power. But we live in these places. We live in a time, the information age. Come on, that's, that's what we're living in. The information age where there is hyper levels of information that we are taking in on a daily basis, y'all, it is short-circuiting our children. This desire and thirst for a never-ending quest for knowledge and understanding. No, that's good. It, it, it can, when bridled through the lens of Scripture, God's plans for humanity, knowledge rightly applied, is powerful. But what happens when we consistently pick from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And notice it's interesting how it doesn't say the tree of good and evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I'm going to talk about really three lies found in the, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But I want to focus on the tr- three truths that we see when we live out of the tree of life. The lie that's found in the tree of knowledge of good and evil says that you need to do more and know more to get to God. When the truth that out of the tree of life tells us that we need to receive the fact that God has already made a way to himself. Through Jesus, he's made a way to God. Hebrews 10, the writer in verses 19 through 22, write it down. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, everybody say boldly, We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, 
Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And just take a break from there. The Hebrew writer is giving a nod to the Day of Atonement. What it's called today in Jewish culture is Yom Kippur. Many of you have heard of that. It's usually sometime in the fall. And it's the Day of Atonement. And what it was, it was there was only one privileged individual that had access to the presence of God, and that was the high priest. And he would go in once a year to be able to make amends for the sins. So there was this great place of sacrifice that happened, and, and he would go in and wearing linen and And he would go into the holy of holies, into God's holy presence, and be able to offer up sacrifice and be able to ask for his own forgiveness for his sins and ask for the sins of the Israelites to be forgiven. There was a barrier, there was a curtain there. And then when Jesus died, when he breathed his last breath, it says that there was an earthquake and the curtain that was in the temple, it broke open. That was just a symbolic moment for God saying that there is no longer because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, my only son, there is now all humanity has access to me. How many can say that's good news? Like, we don't have to wait on some old priest having to go in and try to make amends for us. We can go ourselves. John 5, I'll read it in a second, but this idea of the, 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 the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I, I got I to, gotta, if I just knew a little more scripture, if I just had a little more faith, well, this went wrong in your life because you didn't have faith. No. If I just had a little more wisdom, then I think God would turn his eye towards me. Well, there are some people in scripture that knew Scripture. They knew the commands of God. They knew God's instruction. The Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus is speaking to them in John 5, verses 39 through 40. He's saying, look, brothers, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Some of us, we search Google. Encyclopedia Britannica, is that still a thing? (laughs) We search all the volumes of educational understanding because we think that we're going to have power in them. We think that we have eternal life in them. We think that we have purpose in them. And we miss the fact, like the Pharisees did, that even in the Scriptures, we, we search the Scriptures But what they miss is what the scriptures spoke about him. And he says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. See, it's not enough to just read about God. It's not enough to just know about God. We have to be able to come to God. What my concern for us, what my concern for myself who is somebody that, and I fall into that Martha place all the time. Like, I'm constantly like, come on, like, and I'm looking at my wife like, how are you just reading your Bible? Come on, like, help clean the house. <laughs> but she's chosen a better thing. <laughs> my concern is that we, we worship the idol of productivity. And as a society, we elevate that. 
our education system, you can look back and just even doing a deep dive and studying classical education. You know what classical education used to be about? God. Education in America used to be about God, and it used to, all the sciences point to God, history points to God, literature, it all points to God. And, that, and then what happened in the Industrial Revolution, just a little history lesson for you guys, hope it's okay. What happened in the Industrial Revolution is America got hyper-focused on productivity, and now education became about preparing people to be productive members of society. Is that a bad thing? No. Is it the most important thing? No. So we see Martha, ourselves found in Martha, this place of being, not even being pro pro productive, just being active, just being busy doing stuff. Sometimes that's the easiest thing for us to do. Even dealing with the problems in life, and I feel like I keep getting off a little asides here, but I'm just letting the Holy Spirit lead. Hopefully that's all right with y'all. Um, it is much easier to deal with the problems at work, to deal with the problems in your house, to deal with the problems in your job than it is to deal with the problems in your soul. Like Olivia, who's leading worship up here, read the verse in Matthew 11. Jesus is saying, come to you, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your weary soul. Jesus invites us to that place. The second thing, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get God's approval. You need to do more to get God's approval on the and the reality is, and the tree of life tells us, we need to receive the fact, receive the fact that he already loves you. Romans 8, no, excuse me, Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we got our lives cleaned up. Wrong. While we were still sinners, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, it was separated in the garden, it was restored by the death of his son, we are, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, everybody say now. Now, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Come on, we should sing that song. I am a friend of God. We, we sing that song, and we sing, and we come, and we sing. <laughs> we, we need to rejoice. Oh, God, rejo oh, Lord, my soul rejoice. I've been saved from so much. And we sing songs like, I am a friend of God, but then we live like God's our enemy. Or we live like God is a father that has his back turned to us. God's already approved us. Does that mean God approves everything we do? No. And in fact, as a, as a church body, we, we have to recognize that we have a loving Father who, even when we mess up, is saying, that's okay. Like, I don't approve of what you did, but you come to me. You can't fix it yourself. 
since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. You say, how can anyone love a person like me? I feel worthless, ashamed, guilty. See, there's a difference between godly sorrow and demonic guilt. Too many of us are living in the past. Too many of us are looking for approval from everyone around us. So we post. Hashtag best blessed. (laughs) And because life has let us down at times, because people have let us down at times, we get hyper-focused that, oh, I just, someone would approve me, someone would accept me. Life gets hard and we think, oh, God's mad at me, he doesn't accept me, he doesn't approve me. I want you to know today, God died for the sins that you used to do, the sins that you're currently doing, and the sins that you will do in the future. He died for all of them. That's why we rejoice. Last point, the tree of knowledge of the good and evil says that we obey out of duty. When the tree of life says that we obey out of delight. Psalm uh, 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean that if I just delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me everything I want? No. (laughs) It means that when I delight myself in the Lord, he places in me fresh desires. That when I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, my desires begin to change. When I fell in love with my my wife, my desires begin to change. It wasn't a contract that we entered into. It was a covenant. How would it be if I was like, oh, man, I guess I got to have sex with my wife. (laughs) No way. Like the love, the affection that I have for my wife draws me to a place of even servitude. I happily serve my wife. Not all the time. But my desires, they change, and you, you, you can obey out of delight when you know God intimately. This is why it can't be just behavior modification. It can't just be like, do this, 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 and this. Take 10 pills of this, and then call me in the morning. No, 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 no. It's a heart transformation place. It's not a head knowledge place. The tree of life is a tree of transformation. I am transformed by the love of God. Moses' last instruction to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, we see he lays out the, t- the commandments, the 613 misvahs, there's all, all these different laws that he's laid out, different promises, blessings, cursings, instructions, warnings he gives. And he gets to the end of it and he says this. This is his final instruction. He says, I call heaven and earth, this is Deuteronomy 30, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings, curse. Therefore, choose what? Life that you and your offspring may live. Choose life. Jesus didn't say in John 10, 10, he didn't say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have knowledge. No. I I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I want to close by reading a poem to you, if that's all right. 
I'm going to read it anyway. It's called The Choice. The Choice. Choice. I have a choice. Everybody say, I have a choice. As we approach the Father from up above, I feel like there's a little street in me still, so I might wrap this a little bit. Let me stop. As we approach the Father, well, when I'm done, y'all, the poets clap, y'all know about that? All right. All right. As we approach the Father from up above, he is longing and waiting with his love. We do not have to earn or try to please. His grace is sufficient for all our needs. His work has already been done. The way is clear for us to run. And to his holy presence we can freely come and sit beneath the shadow of his son. We do not have to fear the unknown. We could put our faith and trust in God alone. His love is not heavy or full of demands. His, his love gives life with loving commands. His message is easy and very clear. Choose, choose is what we hear. It comes down to us, but the Father says, have no fear. The knowledge of good will soon decay. Life and freedom is the way. Life and freedom, there's no other way. The question is, what will you choose today? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.